Hey everyone, as with all the Cave Comedy Radio shows, we're trying to get some sponsors for Sex and Other Human Activities, so if you want to help us out, go to surveymonkey.com slash s slash human activities. Take a short survey. It'd really help us out. That's surveymonkey.com slash s slash human activities. Take a quick survey, and we thank you. The advice given on Sex and Other Human Activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. No, I, I don't think you don't want to say give much of a fuck about Easter. No. <laughs> you know, I love the candy, though. Give me a bag of mini eggs. Oh, I forgot your bunny. Oh, I got a bunny? Oh, you got a bunny, baby. Yeah, I got a bunny. Oh, Welcome yeah. to Sex and Other Human Activities. I got a bunny. Hell yeah. Every year, my mother sends a huge box of chocolate bunnies for everyone uh, on all the podcasts and in Murder Fist, and she writes their name on every single bunny. Um, so that I guess I don't hoard them, <laughs> uh, which I mean, I know I need a solid 35 chocolate bunnies, but I guess I'll share them. Yeah. I'll walk into your house one day and just find you with a bunny halfway out of your mouth <laughs> and I'll look at the box and my name's going to be on it. <laughs> oh, I didn't think and you'd gonna know. Say, and I'm going to get onto the phone and I'm going to say, Linda, <laughs> do you know what your daughter's doing? <laughs> do I have to give you my address? <laughs> I'm Marcus Parks, everybody. I'm Jackie's <laughs> and man, we're in a bit of a, I don't know, a, a bit of a tizzy today. Oh, man. A hard, rough tizzy. Oh, yeah, man. Last night, uh, HBO premiered Going Clear, Ooh. the Scientology documentary, and uh, we both watched it, and God damn. Man, I am creeped. <laughs> I I mean, I think a lot of you know it's like... The, one of the big hubs of Scientology is in my hometown. Hubs. Hubs. <laughs> Marcus? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's in my hometown. So uh, Scientology was something that we talked about fairly often in my high school. It was something that we were all aware of. We knew what was going on. Um, I specifically had a conspiracy theorist teacher that wanted to tell us what was actually going on with Scientology. So a lot of what was in the documentary I had heard about before. And I'm, I, I don't know if all of you guys are familiar with Scientology because I was talking with someone um, earlier today about the documentary and she had no idea. She'd never heard of Scientology before. Wow. And I, which to me, I was like, how? What are you living <laughs> under a rock? But not all people are aware of it. And I think that we were primarily were, we knew all about it because it was in our hometown. Marcus knows about it because they own everything and they were a huge cult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know about it because it's my job it's to know job about it. It's your job to know yeah. about it. And it is, it's, uh, it is a very eerie documentary. It is basically the tales of people that have gotten out of Scientology, and it includes a lot of the once heads of Scientology, um, a few of them, that had gotten out once they realized what was going on. And, man, the mind is a terrifying place. <laughs> it, That's a good way of putting it. it it's really... It, it, I feel like people... It's the same with... I, I want to compare it to being in an abusive relationship where people are like, well, how did you get in that place? How did you not realize what was going on? Because A, fear. Because B, you don't, sometimes you don't even realize it when you're in it. Which happens, there's many facets of life that that you are engulfed in and unless you're, you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you, you don't realize 
what a terrible situation you've got yourself in until either later on, because hindsight is twenty twenty, or hopefully listening to, you know, an outsider telling you, hey, wake up. Yeah. There's something wrong with how you're living your life. You know, this isn't okay. And not everybody has that. Yeah. Some of these people were in the church for 30, 35 years right, in this horrible, abusive relationship. And a lot of people, the way they got into it, it looked, it sounded like they got into it because they were looking for some sort of shortcut. They were looking for something in their life to make everything just a little bit easier, make everything a little bit more manageable. Because a lot of people get into this because they see it mostly as a self-help group. Which is what on paper it is. I mean, it's written by a a sci-fi novelist, but it it is a self-help. Dianetics is a self-help book. Yeah, it is a self-help book. For all intents and purposes. Yeah, it is something to purge yourself of bad feelings and purge yourself of this or that and the other. Uh, And they do, you know, in the, the documentary, they compare the auditing process, which auditing is when essentially they go in, they attach that, they hold on to these two weird metal cylinders. Metal cylinders, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hooked up to uh, this machine that's kind of like a lie detector test, uh, and they just spill their guts about everything in but their the lives. But the auditor is basically a, I mean, someone that's able to convince someone to say the things they want them to say. Yeah, and and it is such a, it's such a testimony of psychology even though Scientology is completely against the science of psychology yeah but what it is it's psychologically training people to admit things that they haven't done to admit uh, feelings that they don't actually have and to trap them it's one of the worst perversions of therapy that you could possibly have yes. they put it they kind of put it under the guise of uh, they call it going clear. Uh, that's what you want. That's the reason why the actual uh, the documentary is called Going Clear because they call it clear. Once you have purged yourself of thetans, thetans, yeah. Once you purge yourself of thetans, which are the souls of criminals that were brought here because Earth was a prison planet by Zenu, yes. by Zenu, and uh, they put a bunch of atom bombs in these volcanoes. And all of these prisoners, their souls went out, and so when a baby is born, these Thetans immediately attach themselves to the souls, which is basically, which is basically, they don't have souls. They have people have thetans instead of souls, right? Right. And so, what makes you up are the it's the past lives of bad people, and so part of the auditing process is trying to figure out what kind of bad is inside of you for you to admit it, for you to release it. Yeah, and that's one of the worst perversions that it is, that of therapy that it is, because it's there to make you feel bad about yourself and to give them more money to try to make you feel good about yourself. Uh, and it is, uh, it's... Uh, Offensive. <laughs> I mean, uh, as far as like, you know, people like uh, both of us, like, you know, that talk about mental health a lot uh, and, and try to figure out better ways to approach and better ways to do it. Like, this is the most predatory way of approaching mental health. Uh, and it is sickening how these people do this type of stuff. And Marcus was saying uh, when we were talking earlier, you know, c- comparing it to Christianity where they don't accept. Mental health, uh, mental illness is something that is possible. You're just weak in the eyes of God. This is very similar to the original sin concept that you are born guilty. You have bad things inside of you that need to be released. And 
it, what's scary about this is that when when you go, it, like, I mean, it is a cult. When you are looking for an answer, you're looking for something that, that can make you happier with your life, you are willing to say whatever you need to say for the opposite end to be like, see, now you're moving towards being clear, which clear is nirvana yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? There are no answers. No, that's not that's not reality. There, there's no answer, no blanket answer, no big thing, no big question that everybody has that needs to be answered. Everybody is different. Every single answer is different. There's nothing, there's no answer that's going to be the same for me as it is for Jackie. Like, we all have our different answers. We all have our different paths. And these people, these fucking charlatans, will make you think that there is a path for everyone, that there's something that will work for everyone. Uh, and it's just like any other religion. It's just like any other thing that is there just to take your money without any sort of care for your well-being whatsoever. Uh, it's all about power. It's all about money. And don't listen. To, I mean, I know it's, say, it's like me saying don't listen to people, but you know, <laughs> I don't think that people should listen to anyone that supposes they have all the answers. You know, we say again and again on the show, we don't have all the answers. You know, we're, we're merely here to tell you our life experiences, to tell you how, what we think about things, but we are by no means authorities. We are by no means that like we all, at least personally, all I can hope to do is to give you tools that might work for you or to give you the uh, opportunity or to give you the path to make your own tools. You know, like if someone tells you that there is a, an answer for something, a big answer that will work for everyone, they're full of shit mm -hmm. and they are there to take your money. And we're doing this for free. Yeah. <laughs> we're not asking for for all of your life savings. We're not asking for you to give over your entire life, to give over your children, which is what Scientology is asking you to do. And it's just, it's scary that religions can be, that cults can be disguised as religions. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's a thin line. Well, I mean, there's really not much difference between the two. I mean, is there any difference between Scientology and tithing? I mean, no, but but I mean, even Christianity isn't asking for every single part of your being. Yeah. It you is know? A, I mean, it is, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily as much of a pyramid scheme. But they do hold hell and the afterlife over your head to guilt you into doing what they think that you should be doing. And that is another really interesting uh, thing that I noticed about this documentary is that Scientology is so much more, uh, they're, they're so much better at keeping people within the church by making consequences happen to people in the here and now than Christianity ever could with eternal damnation. It's it's in, because it's punishment. Yeah, because it's, it's completely run by it is run by actual legitimate fear. Yeah, exactly. Not just of a, a, a supposition of Exist what could be existential fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and that's what's really scary. It's like you know, uh, of uh, they're not allowed to to read things on the internet, or else they get punished. It, it is it's completely based. It's solely based on fear. Yeah, and at least there are a good amount of elements of love. In Christianity, but, I mean, they're not always from the right perspective, but at least there there is some of it. At least within a family and things like that that they preach in Scientology, none of that exists. Yeah. Your children are just burdens, 
and and that is what how it is treated, yeah. or they are turned into soldiers to be Scientologists later on in life. And that's what is so scary is that, like, it, it's asking to—you're not even allowed to talk to people outside of the religion. You're not to discuss anything that goes on. Everything is, is to be kept quiet. And I think that, like, makes me trust Christianity a lot more that, like, there's someone on the train— yelling about what his beliefs are. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather that <laughs> than someone that is kept in fear in, like, the like the prison inside of their body to their beliefs. Yeah, but the Scientologists are on the subway, too. Yeah, but they're not preaching. No, 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 keep I, it all I'll, inside. Oh, no, 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 man. They're, have you ever seen the ones at Times Square? Oh, they Square? pass out flyers. Yeah, they yeah. pass out flyers. They've got the stress tests all set up at uh, the 42nd Street Station, specifically the 8th Avenue 42nd Street Station. They've got their little fucking stronghold right there. I used to walk by them every day, and they got their little collared polos on, and they're just trying to bring people in, and they're so... Friendly. They're so much more friend. They're so much more friendlier than the Christians and the the trains. But that's how Jonestown started. <laughs> yeah, Jonestown is very similar to this sort of thing. It's just it, it is scary. It, it, again, it's just scary of what your mind is capable of believing when you're reaching out when you can't grab hold of anything else, and someone gives you something to grab hold to, and you hold on for the rest of your life because at least it's something. Yeah. And I think it's a battle every day inside of our brains of what to believe and what not to believe, just in even just normal decisions in your day. It's like, how do you know what's the right decision in anything? Yeah. You trust yourself. But when you're when you believe yourself to not be strong enough to trust your own decisions, that's that's a scary territory. Yeah. Because you can believe anything. If you think that it would make life better, I think a lot of people do that with all religions. You know, science, oh, yeah. science. I mean, it's. I mean, is there much of a difference between saying I'm bad because Thetans make me that way, and I'm bad because the devil made me do it? I mean, it's the same thing, same concept. Yeah. But what I find that is interesting, which they go into in the documentary as well, is that someone was saying, "He's like, you ask a Christian what they believe in, and they can explain it." in pretty much two minutes yeah. of like the basic concept of what they believe in. You ask a Scientologist what they believe in, which is what I found myself when I was trying to describe to this girl earlier today what Scientology was. And I was just like, so then there's... So you got about like 20 minutes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because what is so interesting that like when they see themselves as a religion and not a cult is that you have to give hundreds of thousands of dollars or everything that you have to hit a level, hit a, hit a stage in Scientology for you to even find out how people got Thetans in their body, to find out the like where the origins of Scientology came from because it sounds crazy because it's from Xenu who is an alien and then he comes down and he puts the Thetans all over because it sounds crazy, but they're so far in... That at that point, they're like, well, I'm in this. Yeah. And I'm not saying it sounds any crazier than, yeah, there was this guy, and he got all these people to follow him, and then he died, and then three days later, he came back. But that concept is not hidden from people. That's yeah. what it is. They, they lead with that. Yes. And, and so it's <laughs> like, yeah, if you get on that bandwagon, hell yeah, man, you're on the bandwagon. 
Yeah, if you believe in this guy, then he will take you up to heaven to okay. live with him and his dad for the rest of your life. For, <laughs> for, all, of eternity. for all of eternity. Yeah. And if you believe in that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they keep it from people until you're so far in that your life is is nothing without it, then what do you do? Yeah. That's a cult. And there was a, actually a guy in the documentary that said when he first read that, like, he immediately said, what the what? fuck? <laughs> what? Like, he said literally, what the fuck is this? Uh, but he stayed in the church for another 30 years after that. You know, he still stayed in after that. And that is some powerful, powerful shit. Sometimes I feel like guilt is the most powerful emotion, but, I mean, definitely fear trumps it no matter what. I think fear trumps everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially because it's not about yourself. It's about your family. It's about everyone you know. It's it, it's it's compu- It's like it is being separated from everyone, that if you want to leave, your whole life is gone. Yeah. I mean, but that also, uh, that happens in, I think, in every Amish religion. Amish religion, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like It happens you think a about- lot in Christianity where you talk, you know, you talk to these people uh, that come out as a gay and their entire family's just like, Okay, well, we're done with you now. You need you can go live on the street if you uh, if that's who you think you are, then you can go live on the street, and we're never going to talk to you again for the rest of your life. If this is unless you want to deny who you are, then we're never going to talk to you again. I guess that's what scares me about all of it is that that something that you can't tangibly see can run how you feel in all of your decisions in life. And I'm not saying that I'm I am anti-religion. I'm saying that personally for me, I it, it scares me that I can't make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what I guess it's another part of fear that like I don't know if that's being called humanist, you know, I don't even know what I could I I have no label for how I actually feel about things. I put you humanist more than anything. Yeah, I just I I, I and I'm not pushing this on anyone either. That's just how I feel that that scares me because I've seen it happen. You know, I I had a Mormon friend in high school that was definitely a thousand percent homosexual and then he went on a mission and he was gone for nine months and he came back not the same person and he was definitely he definitely he said he went through treatments which means electroshock therapy to make him not gay anymore and it was something that he was not able to talk about but the more I kind of but he wasn't allowed to really talk to any of us anymore and watching that I think that's when I decided that I was like, I can't imagine following any any faith that says that I had to to make someone do that. Yeah, you know, I, I you be you. I'm not saying all of my decisions, all everyone's decisions, are right. I'm not saying that. I, I you know, I do I do believe that there's something out there. I don't know what it fucking is. I couldn't even pretend to fucking know, but I do know that. I want to make my own decisions, and I would never force anyone to do something that they didn't want to do. Yeah. And Hopefully I, for, I mean, you know, if it's for the betterment of, the, like, you know, trying to convince someone not to kill themselves, that's that's another thing. But yeah, you know what I mean. Of course. And I can't be a part of anything that would make anyone feel bad for existing. For just being a, who they are. Just merely for existing. You know, and for having like certain conditions uh, and certain like, you know, and we're, this actually brings us to uh, to our email for our first email for the day. Uh, and as far as how, you know, these places, how they and we didn't even get into how Scientology treats psychiatry. 
Like, against it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, 100, 1,000% against it. Uh, and this is funny. I think this is, the, uh, this is the only topic that can be discussed on three different shows on this network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Which we're going to talk about it later on in page seven. Yeah, we're going to talk about it later <laughs> on page seven. We're going to talk right here. And it could also be discussed on the last podcast. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it spans a lot of different genres. Uh, but yeah, it, it's the way they look at it is that, uh, you know, it's Thetans just like people in Christianity. Some Christians look at mental illness as a weakness. Some of them look at it as the devil. You know, it's like the fucking American Horror Story season two where, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah where, uh, yeah, what's her name? Where, uh, uh, God, what is her name? The, the, I remember she's a hot lesbian. I know that. The main nun. Oh, Jessica Lang. It's just like when, you know, Jessica Lange's character, when she said, like, oh, mental illness is the fashionable word for sin these days. It's like, fuck. But people still think like that. They still think it. Yeah. It's like, because, you know, American Horror Story can talk about, it's like, oh, ha, ha, look at these savages, how they used to think. Oh, isn't it so terrible? People still fucking think that way. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, part of what this first letter is about. What are we going to call this guy? Rockadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Marcus and Jackie, my name is Bradley, and I live in a small town north of Birmingham, Alabama. I've been listening to Sex and Other Human Activities for about a year now, along with other podcasts on Cave Comedy Radio. You guys have inspired me to get help with my depression and anxiety. Just hearing things you guys have went through and how you dealt with them has helped me out. There is a history of mental illness in my family that has went undiagnosed. I have a son now, and I don't want my mental problems to affect his life in a negative way. My parents were great, don't get me wrong, but my dad clearly had anxiety issues that were untreated. This would impact my life in negative ways, like him constantly worrying about things out of his control and having irrational thoughts. I want to be able to let my son live his life and me not hold him back. Also, people around here think it's a problem you can give to God or something. So talking to a psychologist or getting help makes you look like you're weak or people think you don't have enough faith. I'm not religious, so it's hard to talk about things like this with people I'm around. Thank you guys so much. Rockadoodle. I feel that, I mean, even just taking the religion out of this, I think this it's personally it's a fear I have of having children and giving them the same thing that I have. Me too. And watching them go through it and deal with all of that. And unfortunately, I feel like we, Rockadoodle and myself and Mark, it's like, and, and the people that are dealing with mental illness and are able to talk about it, that we're the best shot that they have. Yeah. You know, it's like. it's <laughs> true. And I think that as much as I don't want to give this to my own child, but you being aware of of what you're going through and your past and how it's affected you will help you help your son. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I went through a long period uh, for a while worrying about the same sort of thing. I went to, through a long period where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to have kids. Like, I'm just, I'm never going to have kids. Uh, and, you know, a big reason why is because, you know, I didn't want to pass what I have on to somebody else. I didn't want somebody else, like, didn't want to make somebody else go through the same things that I've gone to, gone through. Uh, and I was talking with uh, with my brother about it one day. Uh, and I told that, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, that's just, I don't want to pass that this on to anybody else. And uh, it was Charlie. And he goes, mm. he goes, I'm sorry, man, but that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie. You know, Charlie. He's blunt, but he's right. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you know what he told me? He said, 
Uh, he said, what if, uh, what if our dad had decided that too? Like, what if our dad, you know, because, you know, mental illness runs, runs in my family, runs throughout. Uh, he's like, what if dad would have decided that? What if dad, he said, I wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be here, you know, Thomas wouldn't be here, none of us would be here. Um, if dad had decided that same thing, he said, you can't know what your son is going to go through. You know, you can't know what you're going to be like. Uh, you can't know any of these things. He's like, fuck, what are you, like, it's like saying you're not going to have a kid uh, because you're afraid it might be too short or too tall or something like that. You can't worry about those fucking things. If you want kids, fucking have kids, and you deal with it as it comes along. I'm like, you know what, man? You're fucking right. And I stopped worrying about it, and I started coming out of it. You know, and now it's like, yeah, I fucking want kids. I think I'd be a pretty fucking great father. I think I'd be, yeah. I think I'd be pretty good at it. You know, not perfect. I think I'd be all right, though. At least as good of a father as mine was. My dad was a fucking great dad. So I think I could at least get to that level. But I think the the level that you're starting from is being aware of who you are and what you're dealing with. Yeah. And that's something that, like, in past generations, they didn't have. That they weren't able to openly communicate about how they felt about things and what was actually going on inside of their heads. And... Now, with Rockadoodle, you, you know, you're able to talk to your son and be able to see things that other parents wouldn't be able to see since you went through the same things. Yeah. That if something is there, I think also my fear is that I would put a supposition on my children that like that they're going to be like that. That's a big thing with me, too. It's a big worry. And and I think it is like. I think part of our responsibility is take a step back and to let our children be who they're going to be. And if there, if an issue arises, then you say, all right, well, I dealt with all of these things when I was your age and I see things in you now and like, I'm not putting a label on you, but I want to open up the lines of communication because communication is key. No matter what you dealt with and what your kid is going through, being able to have a conversation about how you feel with your child is something that will it, it will change through the generations of your family. Yeah. You know, that's what the change is in our age group is that that's something that like we were we were at the like tail end of being brought up with of being able to talk about how we feel about things. And it's only getting better as the generations go on. Yeah. And be prepared for a possible Fuck you, Dad. Of course. Be prepared for that. You know, I think all of us should be prepared for that. Anyone who has a, a kid uh, that you're looking out for possible, like, mental health uh, things coming up, like, you know, we all rebelled, you know. So it's also important to remember how you were at that age and how you might have reacted to something like that. Uh, I think just as long as you keep an eye out, keep an eye on yourself. You know, if you think about the things about your dad like being untreated, you are being treated for it. You are getting help for it. So those types of irrational thoughts that, you know, that your dad had at the time, the sort of anxiety that your dad had at the time, you have the luxury of being able to draw upon those experiences and pump the brakes a little bit. If you feel like you're starting to go down that road, you have the ability to step back and think like, okay, let me think this through. Is this rational? Is this just anxiety? Am I making this up? Is this just a fantasy that's being fueled by ang my anxiety? Uh, and that is a very important tool to have. It's extremely important. And you've got that. Uh, and I don't think you should be too goddamn worried about it. 
I think you're a little more. I think you're. It's good that you're thinking about it, but I don't think you should worry about it. Now, do you have any advice for coming from like a small town where getting help is something that is seen as not okay? I I mean, I grew up in a town where it's like. It, it was a little too beachy that pe- it wasn't it, it wasn't religious that people seeing something's like I grew up in a high school where a lot of people saw therapists. Uh, I didn't even see it as an option. No one did. You know, it's like it's not it's not even I mean, where where I'm from, I mean, fucking Christ, like the any sort of like mental health facility would have been at least an hour's drive away, if not more. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. Like that, that's something like at the time, the nearest thing that anyone ever really got help for, uh, was to go to the sanitarium for a little while, you know, and, uh, cool out, you know, and gather their thoughts and gather things up. Uh, and that person dealt with it by not giving a fuck what anybody else thought. He knew that he needed help. He knew that he wasn't going to get it from anywhere. He, wa- he knew he wasn't going to get it where he was, uh, but he needed help. Uh, he knew that he needed help. And so he went and got it, and that was the only thing that mattered to him. And what he did to get through that is he focused on his family. He didn't think about what the people in the community would think of him. He didn't think about any of that shit. He thought about what his fa- what his family thought of him and what his family could you know how they would benefit from it uh, and how they needed him uh, and if it ever gets to be too much and this is anybody out there and especially you know if you've got a family or something that something like that like remember what your family thinks is a lot more important than what the fucking person in the pew next to you thinks those people uh, at the end of the day they don't matter and it's also how you treat your family that matters yes that if you need help to treat your family better to to be to be better for you as a whole and to be better for your family you do what you have to do yeah and you know what people and it's terrible but it's like i mean i did come from a small town just that wasn't an issue people are going to talk about you no matter what yeah and there's there's nothing you can get past it so you may as well do the best for yourself that you can because they're going to say whatever they're going to fucking say. Yeah. And if they're going to judge you for bettering yourself, then get new friends. Fuck it. Get a new community. I know that's not the easiest that's thing. Not I know easy. that's I know that's super I know that's super easy to say. Uh but you know, it, it just at least think about it. At least think about if these people are going to be looking down on you for uh getting the help that you need, then at the very least, think about who they are and think about whether they're the best thing for you. Because you're right, Jake. Like, it is very easy to just say that and very hard to actually do that. But also, I'd rather be looked down upon for getting help for what I need to get help for than for going into an anxiety-ridden rage. Yeah. And hitting my child. I mean, it's like, for me, those are those are... Those are my options. I feel like if I was in that place, like if if I wasn't able to talk about how I actually feel, if I wasn't able to get help, if I wasn't able to do what I need to do, that's what I would be pushed towards. And I'd rather be looked down for going to get help than looked down for doing something that 
I don't want to do. And you do that behind closed doors. Right. Because I think a lot of these people, what they do is they spend all of their energy putting up that front for the community. And yeah. judging other people. Yeah, judging other people. And they put, put all of their energy going up and putting that glassy-eyed smile on so nobody in the community will think badly of you or talk shit about you. And then they go home and they just are monsters at home because they spend all of their energy on what other people think of them. Putting up the face. Yeah, putting up the face. And, and that's not how it's supposed to go. Um, but it sounds like that you're not one of those people. And I think that you have a far bigger inner strength than you even know. I mean, just this email is, you know, you you know what's right. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, surroundings aren't allowing you to make the decision any easier for you. But, I mean, you're moving in the right direction. And just remembering that, like, you are aware of what's happening. And you can take, you can take hold of it. You can take hold of your decisions. You just might need some help doing it. There ain't nothing wrong with that, man. You're doing great. All right, on to our next letter. What we gonna call this lady? Mm. Swanky sister. <laughs> Swanky sister. Go. Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> where, where is it? <laughs> so, Swanky I was going to sing it to the tune of Lady Marmalade. But, I was thinking but that's what you were doing. But it doesn't fit. Swanky sister got an email for us. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Is that for. good? That's good. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. I'm a fairly new listener of your show, but I've been going through all the episodes, and your advice has helped me so much. My problem is to do with my relationship. Since I was pretty young, I've been suffering from depression and anxiety, and recently it's been getting really rough. I've sorted out some therapy, but I can't help notice what my emotional problems are doing to my relationship. I really like this guy, but he has a very short temper, and all of my negativity all the time starts to bring him down. He finds it frustrating that we can never have fun because I'm just too down and anxious to go out and do things. It feels like we can't go a few hours without me making him frustrated with my consistent moaning. My question is how can I stop my depression from destroying my relationship and how can I start doing things again and having fun? Thank you so much for everything, Swanky Sister. This is not the most fun thing to say, but I will have to say that I think the way for you to get to that level is to deal with what's going on with you, which is what you're doing. But by yourself. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, we've all been there. I've definitely been in that situation before, too. And then I just get, but you you get so anxious. And then especially with dealing with someone's like, I've been in relationships with people that also have anger issues. And then it becomes explosive because I'm too anxious. And then I would get angry as well. And that is very detrimental for you moving forward in your own brain. Being able to having to tiptoe around someone and trying to be the best significant other that you can be is hard enough without trying to deal with your own brain. And and like since you haven't got like you need to be alone to get through this. This is something that like if you're really starting to like you're doing something about it, you're you're breaking through, you're dealing with it, you're becoming aware of what's going on inside of you. And you need to become aware of what's going on inside of you alone so that you can learn how to adjust with another person. I agree 1,000%. 
you can especially I mean just dealing with somebody with anger issues when you are going through uh, a depression is very difficult like I've been with someone as well with like certain anger issues that can if you're dealing with depression while walking on eggshells all the time it's tough to think about yourself at all it also makes you close up like a clamp yeah all the time because if you feel like anytime you want to talk about something he's going to get angry at you then you're never going to talk about anything you're You're, not going to deal with it yeah and you're not going to deal with it more importantly you don't have to talk about it all the time you know it's not necessarily like you know if you're feeling depressed or something like that it's not that you have to talk about it all the time to get through it, but you're not going to spend any time on yourself. You're not going to spend any time getting through it on your own because therapy is not something that is only once a week and then it's done. Therapy is something that you go in for once a week for an hour to give you the tool, tools to work on outside of therapy. Like therapy is not something that is just one and done. Like it is something that you work on for the entire week and then you come back to therapy the next week with what you've worked on in the past week. But sometimes you can also, therapy can be wasted. You know, if you go into therapy, uh, I know I spent a lot of time uh, in therapy in the last, you know, I just got out of a long relationship. I spent a lot of time in therapy talking about my relationship, talking about how to fix my relationship, you know, like what what can I do, you know, with her, you know, it's the, we've had, we have this problem, we have that problem. It's like, what can I do to make this problem or that problem better? And I never spend any time on myself. I never spent any time going through what my problems were, which is what therapy is for, because I would go in and try to use it as almost one-sided relationship counseling. Uh, and it's possible that you might fall into that trap as well. Uh, and if I would have gone in uh, and just worked on myself, like I would be miles. I mean, I'm very happy with where I am right now as a person. Like, I, I think I wouldn't change things because I am very happy with my life right now. I'm very happy with where I am mentally and how I'm progressing with things and how I'm thinking about things. Uh, but I also could have not wasted a lot of money <laughs> and wasted a lot of time you know, trying to uh, fix a relationship rather than fix myself, which it sounds like that's what you need to do. You need to work on yourself. And also, it, it's hard because uh, specifically, at least just coming from my own personal opinion or, or my experience, I was in a fairly depressive state um, when I was with uh, this person who had a lot of anger issues, and I felt like I wasn't worth opening my mouth there's a problem with some like dealing with someone specifically with only anger issues is that you feel like you're being pecked into a hole mm-hmm. and and when you're in a depressive state you're already in a hole and having someone that's pecking you even deeper into the hole won't let you bloom it, it will never let you get out of that hole because you're too and i'm not saying that you're scared but but there is a fragility of going up against someone that is so angry, especially when you're so fragile. And, and, and I'm not saying, I don't know if you're specifically feeling fragile, but at least that's how I felt when I was in that place, as I felt like everything I said was wrong and everything I felt was wrong and that why do I even exist? And that was the place that I came to. And it, it took me a good amount of time to realize that I was worth 
more than that. And it's hard to think that when you're in that place, when you're in, when you're in an anxiety-ridden depression, it's like it it is hard to think of yourself as worth it to get away from that. And you know, you like the person, of course, and you're like, yeah, but when when they're not being like that, it's great, and I'm able to be myself. But you're not being yourself. You're being a weird form of yourself in the good times, just to keep it good. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that deep-seated whatever's going inside of you if you're just trying to keep it stable? It's not fair to you. It's not fair to him either. No. I mean, that that is another thing that you gotta that you've got to think about is that this relationship is not fair to him as well. You know, like there there are two people in this relationship. He's got his own shit to deal with. You know, with the anger issues and and all of that. Um, but if you know you really like this guy, then. You might have to just separate for a while and say, like, hey, I got to work on my own shit. Like, maybe maybe in the future, after I get my shit worked out, then maybe we can come back together and try this again. Especially, exactly, you say it as a separation rather than a breakup. Like, if you guys really like each other, separate and try and figure out your own shit. And then you can see each other. Mm-hmm. But just maybe distance it a little bit so that you're able to breathe a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, as far as, like, doing things again and, and having fun, things like that. I mean, you just got to work it out in therapy. You got to work out why. You got to work out what the before root of these you're able are. to Before you're able to continue. Yeah, you can't. You got to ask why before you can ask how. Because that that's that's the deeper question there. That's a bigger one. So once you, you know, get back at, you know, keep going to therapy. You've made the first step. You're doing fucking great with Which that. Which is huge. It's I mean, huge. that's a huge first step. It's a huge first step. It's more, It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest step to do. Uh, but you've already made it. You're already there. So you're well on your way, um, but you might have to do it on your own. All right, that's it for uh, this week on Sex and Other Human Activities. If you've got a question uh, or a comment on anything that we've said today, write to us at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Especially if you're a Scientologist. <laughs> please. I want to hear it. Yeah, if you're a current or former Scientologist, then please email us. Let us know. What if you, especially if you're a former Scientologist, like, or a former Mormon, or a current Mormon? I mean, it's like, or anything, anything yeah. that you want to talk about that you, or if you feel that you have been in a situation where you were not in control of who you were and the decisions that you made, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, let us know. CaveCountyRadioGmail.com, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Hell yeah! For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. <laughs>